Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. You know, just over the last several weeks, my oldest son has started running track um, for Cherokee Bluff. And and I know as, as, if you ever know, as you know this, you'll learn this as a parent. When your child decides that they wanna do something that you used to do, you realize in that moment, you were the best that's ever done it, right? Don't listen to your coach, they don't know what they're talking about. If you need any advice, son, you come to me. I've got all the answers. Well, that's kind of what we've been walking through over the last several weeks as Brock has begun doing track. And, and I remember specifically going back to when I was in high school, um, the coaches came to me and they said, hey, Brian, we want you to run the 400 meter dash, whatever you wanna call it. One lap. I thought, okay, try that. And so then I followed it up literally by asking the question, how do I run this race? How do I run that race? Because what I was reminded of is in track, you have, there's certain races that you have to learn how to run. You can't just take off. I wish somebody would have told me that because I get up to the starting line and I said, hey, how do I run this? And they just looked at me and they said, hey, you just, just run it hard. Okay, now keep in mind, I'm a sprinter. I love the 100 meter dash. Short, right? But nobody told me that I can't run it with the same intensity that, I'm, that I ran the 100 meter dash in. So all of a sudden, I come out of the starting blocks doing what Brian does and running with all I got. Because if you know anything about my, me, I've got two speeds. One is wide open and one is stopped. That's it. So the turn one, I come out of the starting blocks, turn one, you know, it's, man, whoo, yeah, we got this. Turn two, still doing good. Still, you know, chugging right along. I get on the straightaway on the backside, and all of a sudden, about halfway down that straightaway, I've gone now probably 130, 140 yards, and all of a sudden, it's like somebody jumped out of the track and attached concrete blocks to my legs. So all of a sudden, I'm going, huh, <laughs> we're just going to grit and bear it. We're just gonna keep going as hard as we can go. So we go into turn three, and I'm hurting. We go into turn three, I can't breathe anymore. I can't drag my legs anymore. And so, you know, turn four is kind of where the home stretch, like you can see the finish line, like this is it. This is really when you turn it up. And this is when everybody's cheering, everybody's screaming, right? Wrong. I was able to go to North Hall this past week, which is where I graduated from. That's where Brock's track meet was. And I, I walked down to the track and, and I literally laughed because the old pole vault mat is still in the same place it was when I was in high school. And the reason that I know that pole vault mat was there because it's in turn four right before the straightaway. So instead of hooking a left into the turn to get on the straightaway, I took a 90 degree left and went directly to the pole vault mat and laid down. I said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And I quit. 
But the moral of that story is, is nobody taught me how to run that race. Had I known that I was supposed to start out a little bit slower and then gradually pick up speed, and I know all y'all people that are really in shape, they say, well, if you're in shape, you could have just ran the hard the whole time. Well, I was never in shape. I was never in shape. But the reality is, is I didn't know how to run the race. And so what Paul is talking about all through this letter that we've been reading is that he's been teaching these baby Christians, these new believers, how to run this race. Paul is always talking about a race. He's always talking about a journey. Today, you're gonna hear him talk about it in reference to a walk. But the thing about it is we're not really worried about if it's a race, because when we think race, we think that's running. When we hear walk, that seems a little bit slower. But what I want you to think about today is this journey, we're not concerned about the speed in which that we are moving forward. But what Paul wants us to leave here today knowing is that this journey with Christ is not about how fast you can do it, but the fact that we always need to be moving forward. He reads that or he talks about it in one of his other letters in Philippians chapter two. Philippians cha- or chapter three, I'm sorry, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it, it'll be on the screen. But verses 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we see that Paul is not really concerned about how quick this walk is, how quick this journey is, how quick we are on this race. Paul's heart is that that we are always moving forward. And so I want us to to establish that before we go any further today, but we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're not going very far. This is going to be like really short. This is for all those that are going to the beach this afternoon, I guess. Philippians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 is where we're going to start, and then we're going to make it just a little bit of the way through verse 3. Paul starts in chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction, I want you to underline, highlight instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is doing just in these two verses is he's reminding them is that I've given you instruction. I've given you commandments on how you are to run this race. And as we spoke of a minute ago, he uses the word walk. But what we got to realize is this is honestly just moving forward. This is just progressing forward, moving in the right direction. But before we go into this walk, before we go into the journey, before we go into the race, there's something that we must take note of, something that God really spoke to me when I was studying this passage. When we think about that walk, when we think about that race, this is talking about the journey of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, to paint the picture, if you go back to when I was getting ready to run the 400 meter, I was at the starting line. I was in the starting blocks. When they told me to go, 
What would happen if I would have just stayed put? If I would have never moved, if I would have just stayed in the starting blocks and everybody went on. You see, I had never entered into the race. I had never entered into this, this journey. And so for some of you in this room, there's no doubt in my mind when we talk about this walk, when we talk about this journey, when we talk about this race, there's some of you that have been invited into running this race, but you've yet to take the first step into your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this journey we're talking about you're not even on the journey because you've never stepped out on faith and trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so that would be the first question that we would pose this morning is, have you taken that step? Have you stepped out on faith? Have you stepped into this relationship as the Holy Spirit has invited you and as he has drawn you in? Have you stepped into this relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been saved by the grace of God? And if your answer to that is no, I've not yet taken that step. I have been praying for you today. I've been praying that today is that day that you decide to come out of the starting blocks and step into that relationship with Jesus Christ. But as we know, this letter is written to new believers. This letter has, is written to those who have already taken that step. They've already came out of the blocks. They're, they're on this journey. They're on this walk. They're in this race pursuing and following Jesus. And so we know that they're somewhere along the way, but what Paul wants them to know is, is that your work is not finished. Even though you've taken the first step, this journey, we've gotta be in this thing for the long haul. We've gotta be always moving forward. And that's what he says there in verse one. He says, you've received instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk. Now understand, one thing that we've gotta be careful of is in that text when it says how that we're living this life, we're walking to please God. I want you to hear me in this. This is not talking about that you've gotta be good enough to earn God's love. This is not talking about that you've gotta fix this or fix that before God will accept you. The reality is I am so thankful that by the grace of God that he loved me in my current condition. That this text of what it's talking about to please God is not that we're trying to, to earn his love, but when Paul says that we should be walking in a manner to please God, means that we should be walking in a manner that we're striving to live for him. One of the definitions that I stumbled across really simplifies it. And it says here that we, when we are striving, when we're trying to live this life to please God, it's to accommodate one's self with the desire of another. To accommodate one's self with the desire of another. So as a follower of Christ in this walk, what we are to do is submit to his lordship and ask God to make our desires his desires. And so that's what it means to live in pursuit of God is we are living a life in order to live for him and be devoted to him. And this is what Paul is talking about. And he says there, just like he always does, he said, you're already doing it. You're doing a great job. But then what does he say at the end of that? But my prayer is that you excel even more. So that's what he wants us to know is that the work is never done. Here in this life, this journey, this following of Jesus Christ, it is never complete until the Lord Jesus is returned or until God calls us home and this fleshly body dies. 
That's when it's complete. And so the reality is, is I know that there's some of you in this room this morning that you think because you still struggle, because you still fall into temptation, because you still make mistakes, you're allowing this to define who you are. You're allowing this to define your character. You're, you're using this stuff to define who you are. And what you've got to realize today is if you have stepped into that relationship with Jesus Christ, the very thing that defines you is the shed blood of the lamb. That is what defines you. It is not your struggles. It's not what you deal with. It's not the sin you fall back into, but it is the blood of the lamb that is what defines you. Now you've got to be careful with that too. Because a lot of times we can use that mindset to kind of be our license to sin. When you truly understand what took place on the cross of Calvary, that Jesus' shed blood was, was paid to cover your sin, what ends up happening is all of a sudden it no longer becomes a license to sin, but it becomes a motivation for a holiness. And we live in a life of thanksgiving to God for what he sent his son to do. And so this is the motivation that Paul is pushing them to. Paul is going to spend the remainder of this book pushing them to a life of holiness, to a life of righteousness. And he says there, in order to do that, I've given you instructions and I've given you commandments. But what I love about it is he says there, but I've done it by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not my words. These are not my instructions. These are not my commandments, but these are the commandments that have been given by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the context of this letter, you're gonna hear some parallels to what we're living in. Because you gotta keep in mind, in the Roman Empire, they were just sort of doing whatever they wanted to do. Sexual sin was running rampant. And we'll get into that more after Easter. We are gonna take a, a two-week break from 1 Thessalonians next Sunday and the following week um, to celebrate the resurrection time. Um, but we'll be getting back um, to chapter four after Easter is over. And you'll be hearing more about it. But the Roman Empire was, was infiltrated with sexual sin. They were living life ever how they wanted to live it. They marched to the beat of their own drum. They were just doing whatever felt good with whomever it felt good with. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound at all familiar of our day and age that we are living right now? This sums up our world. This sums up the condition of our nation. And the sad part is, is we are teaching. And when, look, when I use that, that pronoun, we, I don't roll my eyes when I say pronoun now. That's not even good. But when I say we, I'm talking about our society and our culture. What we are teaching our children is the very thing that we're going on in the Roman Empire. You do whatever you want to do. Do what feels good. Make your own decisions. It's your life. And we're saying these things and, and our children are hearing, you know, let your truth be your truth. Look deep within to find yourself. Do whatever feels right. Or here's a good one. Oh, just trust your heart. 
Just listen to your heart. Your heart will always lead you in the right direction. Can I tell you that is completely contrary to the only truth that matters? Jeremiah 17, nine, listen to this, the heart, the very thing that we're telling our children to listen to, the very thing that we're telling our children to be led by, it says the heart is more deceitful than all else. Listen to this, and desperately sick. The heart is desperately sick. And then it ends with a question, who can understand it? So as we're telling our children, as we're telling children that don't even have the ability to make decisions, listen to your heart. Listen to the very thing that is deceitful. Listen to the very thing that is desperately sick. And we don't even understand it. But that's what you need to listen to. That's what needs to, to steer your direction. But then we go on and you hear some more about the heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders, and these are the things which defile the man. So this is what we're telling our children. What we're telling our children is to listen to the very thing that will lie to you. Listen to the very thing that will lead you away from the one who loves you. Listen to the very thing that is defined as sick that we don't even understand. But that's what needs to be driving your decisions. So if this is what we're teaching our nation, why in the world are we shocked? Why are we shocked that men are swimming in women's events? Why are we shocked that laws are being passed for children to have sex changes and to take hormone therapy? Why are we shocked that this is the condition of our world. Why are we shocked that we're telling our children, just get in touch with your inner self. Why is it that our children are, are showing up to school because they want to identify as an animal? And here's what you got to hear this morning. I know some of you are going, oh, he's going political this morning. This is no longer political. This is a spiritual battle. And if we as the church don't stand on the truth of God's word, then we might as well quit. We might as well stop. This is not Democrat versus Republican. This is good against evil. And I am choosing to stand on the truth of God's word. And I'm sick of telling my children and your children, oh, just listen to your heart. No, don't listen to your heart. It'll send you straight to hell. Your heart will send you completely away from the one who sent his son to redeem it. That's what your heart will do. That's where your heart will lead you. And you know, we're telling our children, oh, they deserve this freedom. 
The very thing that we're telling them is freedom is leading them to bondage. It's not freedom. You see how the enemy lies? If this is freedom, oh, it's freedom. You can make your own choice. You can identify whatever you want to identify with. But what we don't understand and what we don't realize is this freedom is leading them straight to chains of bondage. But we've got to stand on the truth of God's word. Their truth is not their truth. Their truth is a lie. And this is the only truth that it matters. And if it doesn't align with God's word, then therefore it's a lie. It's that simple. It is that simple. But you know, to make sense of this all, Paul is talking to baby Christians. He's talking to baby believers. And he's saying, because you're babies, you don't have the ability to make decisions yet. And so therefore, as your spiritual father, remember that's what Paul talks of himself as, he says, I'm gonna give you instructions and I'm gonna give you commandments. Not to exercise my authority, not as some dictator, but I am giving you commandments and I'm giving you instructions because I love you and you aren't smart enough to make them yet. It's that simple. But you know, our world is telling us that instruction and commandments, oh, that's not freedom. That's not allowing me to make my own decisions. But what we've got to do is we've got to get back to the basics and continue to teach instructions and commandments. Because parents, what do we do for our children? What do we do for our little babies? We give them instruction. We give them commandments. And the reason that we do that is because they don't know any better. They don't know that when they stick their hand on the oven, that it will burn them. But in this day and age, you know what we're teaching to do? The oven's on, the oven's hot. You see your child going to, oh, don't you dare correct them. That was funny, Melody. Thank you, sweetheart. See, she gets it. But are we gonna sit there and just let our child put the hand on the hot stove and say, oh, let them make their own decision? Let them find out for themselves. Let them get in touch with who they are and let them figure it out on their own. No, as a loving parent, we say, stop. We say, here's this rule. Here's this commandment. Here's this instruction. Don't touch it because it's hot and it'll burn you. That's what Paul's wanting us to understand. The only reason is for this instruction and commandment is because he loves these baby Christians. And so moms, dads, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, whomever you are, don't you ever stop giving instruction and commandments. It is our responsibility out of the love for our children to lead and guide them. They don't know any better. They don't have the ability to make these decisions. And that's exactly what Paul is doing. You know, I shared the analogy probably two years ago. 
You know, when you were a kid, you can think back on when mom or dad used to correct you. Or maybe your school teacher would get on to you. And they would say, hey, don't do that. And what was always our rebuttal? Why? Why? And then out of anger or bitterness, whoever that authority was, what did they say? Because I said so. What I've learned as a parent, do you know what that's teaching my child? Absolutely nothing. It really ain't. Because like I do it all the time. They'll be on their phones. They'll be doing it. I say, would y'all stop? Why? And then what do I do? Because I said so. I'm that dad now. The very thing that used to make me mad. I do it now too. But as I shared probably two years ago, I don't know how long ago it was. But in all reality, what if, if your child is standing on the, the edge of a, I don't know, three floors up and you scream at them, hey, stop, don't do that. And they ask you why. It changes everything when you don't tell them because I said so. You tell them, hey, I'm correcting you. I'm giving you instruction because I love you. Because I love you. So when you correct, when you give instructions and they plead why, Let's try not saying because I told you so. Let's tell them you love them. That's the very reason we're given instruction. Now, look, I'll go ahead and tell you, they're not going to stop and go, oh, dad, that was just so sweet of you. <laughs> they're still going to be mad. They're still going to be bitter, but they'll get over it. But you see, that's what Paul is wanting these baby Christians to know. The reason that there's instructions, the reason that there's commandments it's because you don't know any better yet. You don't know any better yet. And my job is that you always continue to move forward in your relationship with your Savior. So Paul is basically saying, I'm giving you these because I love you and because the Heavenly Father loves you. And as we get ready to close, we're gonna close with just the first sentence, if you would, in verse three. And I want to show a hands. How many of you have ever prayed? God, no, y'all got ahead of the game. Put your hand up. Y'all getting all super spiritual. How many of y'all ever prayed? <laughs> raise my hand real fast so you don't think I'm not praying. Jeez, Louise, I've never seen y'all move so quick. God, maybe I should talk faster. <laughs> I wish y'all could have seen that. How many, and there was no delay. Y'all didn't even give me a chance to say what was next. How, time out. Just wait till I finish the sentence. How, how many of you have ever prayed for God's will in your life? Okay, one, two, three, go. See, I gotta give instruction. We all have, right? We've all prayed for God's will to be done in our life. God, what is your will for my life? Look at verse three. You're about to hear it. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Pfft. What's the will for my life? Your sanctification. And then the mic drop. Well, there's gotta be more to it. No, there's not any more to it. 
And so what we're gonna look at in closing right now is we're not gonna talk about all of the details that go into sanctification. We'll be getting into some of that when we get back from Easter. But what I feel is very important is for us to leave here today with the right mindset and the right way of thinking about sanctification. There's something I wanted to read that came this about sanctification. It says to sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by its designer. I'm gonna take out the some things out of that, really because of the context we're dealing with in our, in our culture. But to sanctify someone is to set that person apart for the use intended by its designer. So you say, well, I, I get that. That means that as a follower of Christ, I've been set apart because God wants to use me. But what, what does all that look like? You see, as Paul has been sharing throughout this entire letter, this sanctification process will never be complete until our time is over here. It's always gonna be a work in progress. And so the picture that I kind of wanna paint is that of, of, of a potter making clay. Or not making clay, making a pot out of clay. And I wanna see if y'all are as cynical as the first service. When I say pottery, when I hear, you hear the pottery, when you hear molding and shaping clay, what movie comes to your mind? Y'all are as sinful as they are. That's what I was afraid of, ghost. Yeah, so let's try to unsee that, okay? Let's try to take that out of your mind so that we can move forward in holiness, right? But the way that a potter would do this is a potter would have this bag or this lump of just raw clay beside their chair, beside the potter's wheel. And so what the potter does is he reaches into the nothing. He reaches into the mess and he removes just a blob of clay. He removes and pulls it apart from the nastiness that it's a part of. And so in that moment, what this would parallel, this would parallel our salvation. This would be in the moment that God rescued from this earth, that God saves you by his grace, that he pulls you from the miry clay, no pun intended, but he pulls you and places you in his hand. And so this sanctification process begins immediate. This part of the step is immediate. This is when Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. This is when he has pulled you from the miry clay. And then what he does is he begins the process. Then he places you on the potter's wheel. You're still raw, but the creator, the designer, he already has a heart of the way he wants this all to turn out. And so as the wheel begins to spin, the potter begins to shape and mold that lump of nothing into what he has envisioned. And he begins to shape, he begins to mold, he, he adds elements to it to get it to do what he wants it to do so that he can manipulate it the way he wants it to be shaped and formed. And for some of you, that's where you're at right now. For, well, I say for some of you, for all of us, this is where we're at. 
We're in this sanctification process. We are in that molding. We are in that shaping. And the hardest part of that is allowing and trusting the hands of the potter to do with our lives what we want him to or what he wants to do in us. It's surrendering to the hands of the potter. Because as he shapes and molds us, there are going to be some imperfections. There's going to be some things. There's going to be some sharp edges. There's going to be some lumps. There's going to be some lopsided things. But if we will surrender to the hand of the potter, he is going to smooth all of that out. But here's the hard part. That's painful. That's painful when we are being shaped by the potter. Because the very things that are causing these lumps, these messes, this, these contortions, this, this misshapes, all that is all of the stuff in us that he's trying to smooth out. That is all of the sin in our life that is blinding us from chasing after this holiness that Paul is pushing this church to. But you know, the only one that has the authority to say when the pot is finished is the one who's designing it. And when the potter's finished, the Lord Jesus will either return or he will call a child of God home to die here on this earth. But the question I would ask you this morning is, where are you in the process? Where are you at in that process? Are you still in this bag of, of nothing? Are you still in this, this, this bag that is just entangled with the world that is listening to your heart, that's listening to your mind, that the world is, is teaching you to trust yourself? You can find your own thing. You can find God on your own. You can do these. But what you have to realize and what you need, if this is you this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is inviting you in to a relationship with him. That he is pulling you from this nothing to make you into his creation, to make you into his design. And that's the journey that we're talking about. But as we mentioned earlier, many of you have not got out of the starting blocks yet. There's some in this room that you've, you've got on the track uniform, you've got on the spikes. I mean, you're here at church on spring break. That's gotta account for something, don't it? So in your mind, you're thinking of all these things that you're doing. You're thinking of all these things that you're trying to do in order to earn God's love. What you need to do is realize that we are nothing without the Savior and trust in his hand to save us by his grace. So if you've never taken that step into that race, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit invites you this morning is that you get out of the starting blocks. And you say, I need to trust Jesus as my savior today. I've been listening to my heart. I've been listening to my mind and it has led to absolute chaos. Now don't, don't, don't mishear that because I don't want you to think, well, if I give my life to Jesus today, that everything's gonna get easier and that everything's gonna be mended. No, we still have to walk through consequences. We still have to live in a messy world. But the beauty of it is, is when you step into that relationship with him, you are no longer in that journey alone. 
There's a song that my grandfather used to love. And it's an old, old, old song. Many of you probably may know it. You may not know it. But it's talking about walking with Jesus. And he says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Some of you need today to trust into the hand of Jesus and just let him walk with you. Let him walk with you. Yes, it's still gonna be hard. There's still gonna be uphill battles. But the beauty of it is, is when you're walking with him, your hand will never be separated again. So if you've never trusted Jesus today, I pray that today's that day. Or if you're on that potter's wheel or as you are on that potter's wheel, as the Holy Spirit lays things on your heart today that aren't holy, that aren't of him, that aren't bringing his name glory, allow the potter's hand to remove that. Allow him to shape that. Allow him to mold that. Lay it at his feet today. And say, I'm ready to lay down this addiction. I'm ready to lay down this insecurity. I'm ready to lay down this pride. And God, I want you to mold me into the way that you want me. But church, we're all, hear me, we're all a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. And so this morning, I want you to respond however that God would lead you to respond. Maybe you need to step into that relationship with him. Or maybe you need to submit to the molding of his hand. And as I said, it's gonna be painful. It's gonna be hard because there's things that your flesh is gonna wanna do. Or maybe this morning we should just simply be called. I know we've already prayed. We've prayed over our families, but maybe we need to end in this altar today praying for the condition of our nation. You know, for whatever's being pushed, for whatever lifestyle we're seeing people live, we gotta be so careful with that as the church. We can't point fingers. We can't condemn. We've gotta have the eyes of Jesus because what did it say? Jesus saw them and he had what? Compassion on them. You realize that people that are living in that lifestyle, people that are consumed by that sin, the sad part that should break our hearts is they've believed the lie. It's that simple. They've heard the lies, they've believed it, and they've bought in. And so what we've got to pray for is that the scales will fall from their eyes, that they will know the truth. And we love them the way Jesus loves them. Because it doesn't matter how righteous and holy you even think you were. In God's eyes, it was all the same. We were all sinners in need of a savior. And so who has God put in your life 
they would have you share that truth with. And so I don't really know how to close out a day like today. You say, well, you say that every week. Well, I guess I'll keep saying that every week. But if you need to respond today, trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, quit listening to your heart, quit listening to your mind and step into a relationship with him. And if that's you today, I invite you to move in just a moment. But maybe today God is shaping and molding you and he's revealed some things to you today that you need to lay at the altar. Come and lay yourself at the altar and say, God, mold me and shape me the way that you wanted to shape me and mold me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.